What an exciting time that will be, won't it? That's what we look forward to. Our scripture reading today is from Matthew 13, 31 through 33, and 44 through 45. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it's grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Another parable he spoke to them, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So does anyone want to guess what we're going to talk about today? Do you know why? Why do we always talk about the kingdom of God whenever we get a chance? Does anybody know? <laughs> yeah, here you go, it is. It is what Jesus taught about, isn't it? So in Matthew 9.35, it said that Jesus went about and everywhere he went, he preached the good news of the kingdom. So you can see that there's a pattern of that where everywhere he went, that was his topic. And he used different examples. So when we were kind of pulling our message together, we decided to keep it really simple and just talk and see where God takes it. So it's not going to be real long, I don't think, but we just wanted to stir you up. And so um, when we look at the scriptures about... Uh, the kingdom of God that we covered, you notice that Jesus would say, well, it's like this. And then he'd say, well, it's like that. And then he'd say, well, it's like this. And then he'd say, it's like that. And you see that through the Gospels. He was really trying to teach them and give them examples that were applicable to their life because some people could relate to being a treasure hunter and some women could relate to yeast, right? And so he really, really wanted to get that message across. And so this morning at about 2 o'clock in the morning, I woke up and I said, Holy Spirit, if you don't anoint this message, it's just going to fail. But if you'll just tell us what we need to say, I'm sure that you'll bring life to it. And so he started giving me some ideas. And so I'm just going to share with you what, I, what he pointed out to me. So my section is about, um, part of my section is about the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Anybody ever have a garden have to deal with mustard seed plants? So are they annoying? They can be, right? When the kingdom of God comes into a life and a family's always just lived in the world system and suddenly somebody gets saved and they start being the mustard seed in the family, it, it kind of rocks the boat of tradition in a family. And that's what begins to happen is, and this mustard seed business, it spreads. It doesn't just be a little bit in you. It begins to spread. And what color is mustard seed? So when you're looking up here and you see this, isn't that glorious? Really, it's a, there's a message in that, that it's glorious, that it's bright, that it's shining. You in the spirit really are bright and shining in Christ. You don't really feel like it because you're clothed in an earth suit, but you're really one that 
people should look at you and say, what is it about you? There's something about you. And, and, and maybe even want what you have. That's why, you always hear me say this when we get up here, it's so important to really be, when you come to church, take responsibility, not so much that you're here to receive, but that you're here to give what you've been getting all week. So when you see people, you smile at them and you love at, on them and you just reach out to them because you might be the only Jesus that they see all week. And so you're going to help them be hungry for God. And he says that it grows and becomes a tree. Well, I've never seen a mustard seed plant grow into a tree, have you? So, huh? So they do grow into trees in Israel, but around here they don't. So it's almost like right across the globe you don't see a consistency of it growing into a tree. But it says that it grows into this thing that's so big that the birds of the air come and nest in it. In other words, the effects of the kingdom of God in our life should be such that we grow so strong and so big that individuals will come to us and we'll be an answer and a solution to what they need. We should be an answer to world problems because of the difference that the kingdom of God makes in our life. So then the next part says that the kingdom of God is like yeast that a woman took and she hid in three measures of flour. So in your Bible, some of you have a footnote and it says that, um, that it is about a half a bushel or 22 liters of flour. So that's a lot of flour. And I'm a birth order baby, so sometimes I think of pranks and fun things I could do. So I could imagine sneaking into Linda Timmons's house when she was sleeping and hiding <laughs> leaven in her flour and not telling her. And then having, you know, just kind of watching. And so she tries to make, say, like pancakes, and all of a sudden they're poofing up. Or she tries to make something that really doesn't need that much, and it, it affects it because leaven can't be hidden. You cannot hide the effects of leaven. And so the Lord reminded me in the middle of the night that leaven is actually alive. It's this living substance that works. And it, it, if you took a half a bushel of flour and you started baking, it makes, it's about 88 cups of flour. That's a lot of flour. Then it makes about 30 loaves of bread. So if, you, if I was to take that much flour and I work leaven into it and I, I make um, bread out of that, what is my house going to smell like? Mm -hmm. So people are going to come in to the environment of where that leaven is working and where that food is baking, and they're going to get hungry for what I have again. You see that message? The effects of God in our life and his kingdom reign should be different than the world system. All of us have been raised in the world system. It's on the news media, it's on the TV, it's on it's through books, it's in our culture, we get to choose whether we're going to be kingdom of God people versus just worldly people. How many of you want to be kingdom of God people? Because people are going to smell you baking and they're going to get hungry for what you have to offer. And that should be able to feed, I'm, I'm pretty much done, I'm just rambling down to a close now. Um, that should be able to feed a lot of people by the effects of what God does in your life. Isn't that cool? kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in a field that someone found and hid, and in all his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The treasure 
that we have as believers, and I mentioned it as the, to the kids, is our hope for what lies ahead and all that he has to give us and all that he talks about in Scripture. That's our treasure. And Scripture says, and Jesus says, that we should keep our eyes on heavenly things in Colossians 3. And he also says this, where your treasure is, your heart will be there. So if we're sitting there looking at heaven and we're thinking about all the wonderful things that he's prepared for us and everything that's good, our heart will be there. And so when we're walking around in the world that's always debating and cynical and critical and we're looking at good stuff, they're looking at us like we're nuts. How can you be so happy when the world's falling apart? Don't you know that we've got trouble in Washington? Don't you know our country's in a crisis? How can you be so happy and positive? How is that possible? Because our heart isn't in Washington. Our heart's in heaven, right? And that's where we keep our eyes focused. And you know, there's so many believers that I've ran across that if I sit down and say, tell me just five things you expect to see in heaven, the first thing they say is Jesus. That's the very first thing they say. And then the second thing they say is family. Oh, God. God, Jesus, family. Then the third thing they say is, <laughs> I have heard that, yes. But usually by then they begin to go silent. And then I say, what's the fourth thing you expect to see? And it really gets quiet. Really gets quiet. Because we, don't, we haven't studied, really, what's all in heaven that he's prepared for us. And Ezekiel talks a lot about it. Revelation's full of all the things that's in heaven, like we talked a little bit about the tree and the fruits and the peace and joy and happiness and no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more death, no more pain. I mean, there's so much that he talks about that we just don't really think about because we're so busy thinking about the stuff we're supposed to be selling and getting rid of and investing. Are you following what I'm saying? We need to sell all this stuff that's keeping us anchored to this world system and what's going on in the earth and get our hearts and minds on all he's invested for us to receive in heaven. He says we're going to inherit everything that Jesus has inherited. And we just sung a wonderful song that talks about his kingdom of light and truth coming to earth. Right? And we're going to inherit that with him. That's going to be us. And a lot of times, Christians don't even know that, that we're going to come back to earth. I want to get out of here. But when we come back, we're coming back with a king that's going to rule it in love and righteousness. And it's going to be wonderful. And we're going to be able to participate in his ruling on earth. It's going to be a wonderful time, wonderful time. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. And finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. The thing that stood out to me on this one is he was looking for pearls. He's a merchant. He was looking for it. That's like a lot of people looking for religion. Really, it is. A lot of people think, oh, maybe Hindu's the answer, or Islam's the answer, or maybe New Age is the answer, or maybe whatever it is they're going to invest in or look at. They're merchants in spirituality. 
But when they find the pearl of great price, which is the kingdom of God, these people are in search of merchants that are searching around for the good thing. When they find the kingdom of God, which are all those promises we just talked about, that hardly none other religion even has anything to compare to what Christ came to give us. None do. It's the pearl of great price. Islam doesn't have it. Nobody has it. We've got it. The pearl of great price. And what do we do? We get rid of everything. That merchant got rid of everything. Just like the guy who saw the treasure. And the idea of letting go of the things on this earth isn't easy when they're constantly in your life and you've got abuse taking place. When you live with people who are critical and cynical, it's hard because it's there in your face. But you know what? I've read about a lot of prisoners in war who lived in some of the worst conditions and came out and they looked like skeletons. And they would say, what is it that kept you going? And they said, well, they can lock up my body, but there's one thing they can't lock up. It's our mind. Because our mind can go anywhere. I can be sitting here preaching and stop for a second and take my mind oh, and get some nice ice cream downtown. And you can't stop me. You know what I'm saying? You can't lock up our mind. So you may be going through some hard times, but don't let those things occupy your mind. Let the kingdom occupy your mind. Sell everything that's occupying your mind and focus it on the kingdom of God where our heart is. Deal? Deal. It's close. Father, we just want your kingdom to be glorified. And that's why we gather together here in this building because we have one thing in common that is just so strong and a bond, and that's what Jesus Christ purchased for us on the cross, which is eternal life in your kingdom. And we come together because we love one another and we care for one another. We want to encourage one another, build each other up in our faith in your kingdom, just like those of the great Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11 did. So, Father, I thank you for each one of us here. Father, I just pray that we will continue to build one another up and reminding us of what that, those things that are to come that we have inherited. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's have the offering. Ushers, come forward.
Lord, we're just returning a portion of what you've given us back to you. May you use it to bring people into your kingdom and bring honor and glory to you, and we give it with a free and open heart to praise you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to go to him 374. Chris, can you pull up that confession that we skipped over? This is a great place to do the confession. Oh, yeah. If, let's say this together. Let's make a commitment. Uh, if you've got a Bible, or put, put your hand on your heart where the Word of God lives, or just, just make this oath with us, this confession with us. You ready? This, this is, is my, my Bible. Bible. I, I am what, what it says, says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's sing his promises together.
the blessing before the congregational benediction. Is that correct? Okay. Well, in Jesus' name, you are God's blessed people. And you overflow with the blessing from God. So you go forth spilling over the blessing that God has given you that others may come to know the kingdom of God and themselves be blessed. In Jesus' name.